anything today. That's why we're not going to hold back and give you three points at a poem. That's why I'm just going to give you what the word says. And I would love that we're friends afterwards, but that's secondary. <laughs> Pastor, if you can turn this mic down just a little bit. My wife says that I can get loud. And I just tell her that I'm passionate. Amen. I'm going to pray. Can we do that? Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that it plows our hearts and conditions us to be able to hear your word. I thank you, mighty God, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit comes to enable us and to even make us want to carry out your will. I thank you, Father, that our stony hearts, Lord God, when subject to your spirit, become like flesh, pliable, plowable, and capable and able to hear from you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know what's interesting about we American Christians is I think we're so well taken care of that we become not dependent upon the Lord. We're no longer dependent upon the actual thing that actually fuels our spiritual fire. That's why we love to repent, return to the Father, get right and get lit, amen? I'm going to start with a quote that's soon to be on my office wall, and then we're going to move into the Word, and we're going to allow the Word to do what He does, amen? Uh, are you ready? This is from a man that has gone to be with the Lord, and I'm going to adopt his words because, well, I mean, I think he stole them from Jesus. He said, worldly men have faith in their work. Kingdom men work out their faith. Worldly men cause others to know their methods. Kingdom men cause others to know their God. The success of worldly men can be defined in certain observable methods. Methods that can be cataloged, emulated, and sold for profit. The success of kingdom men is attributed to only one thing. That is one, That one thing is obedience to the spoken word of Yahweh. Kingdom men are almost always misunderstood, lonely, and rejected in their time. Most often remaining a voice crying in the desert. They are, they are recognized, honored, and even revered, but only by another generation. Never their own. Kingdom men are content with being leaders of a remnant, keepers of the flame, preservers of the seed, protectors of tomorrow's Abraham, Isaacs, Moses, John the Baptist, and yes, even the Christ. This morning's message is keepers of the flame. Keepers of the flame. Saints, I want to just jump right out there and tell you today, I do... I am going to discourage you and also encourage you. Amen? Amen? My discouragement is to your preoccupation with being brief preoccupied with what you do not have. 
And my encouragement is encouragement for you to work well with what you do have. You see, I believe there's a problem. It's a trap. A trap from the devil to keep you preoccupied with what you do not have so that you never overcome with what you do have. Well, I'm a son and daughter of the living God, but I do not have that talent or I do not have that gift. I'm recently saved or been saved forever, but I do not have that knowledge or maturity that that other fellow believer has. Oh, I have loved Jesus for many decades, but I do not have the energy that those young Christians have. I do not have time. I do not have ability. I do not have. I do not have. I do not have. And if I would, then I. Maybe I would. Saints, one of the greatest things Jesus has ever taught me was that in his kingdom, you do not need much to do mighty things. And the great things that you think you have is not what he's actually after to get something out of you. It's like standing in a forest in a cold, dark night with two sticks in your hand. Praying and praying, Lord, if you would just send fire, if you would just send a provision so that I might actually be, I am dead and I am cold, I am dying and I'm in great need. I'm shivering and something's growing cold in the night. And he sends you revelation that the two sticks in your hand was more than you ever needed if you would just rub them together. You see, you think you don't have what you need, but you have everything that you need. You just need a word from heaven and maybe a reminder this morning that if you would just work with what you do have, you will have more than what you need, even what others need. Luke 16, 10 says it like this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. How about you find yourself in a wilderness? Wouldn't you prefer to be with like Bear Grylls or something? Yeah. Well, I got one better for you. You're with King Jesus. Yeah. Let's just say, I mean, possibly that you lack something deemed necessary for what God has asked of you. Because he has asked every single one of you of supernatural things. That's outside of your ability. Hello. Outside of your schedule, outside of your bank account. Outside of your talent, yes, that's you. He's asked that of you, and he can complete what he started. And Jesus says to you that you already possess everything needed to get you there. So a good eye in the kingdom is to be focused and connected with what you already have, not what you don't have. Are you with me this morning? Saints, either you can do all things or no things according to the word. Philippians 4.10 says it. I love how the Amplify says it. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am, all, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses my inner, his inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient because I am sufficient in Christ. Outside of Christ, I am not sufficient, but inside of him I am. Today's message is keepers of the flame. And before we move on, I just want to repeat that aim for you this morning. No longer do we need to be perpetually preoccupied with what you do not have. And my goal today is that you would learn to fan in the flame what you do have. 
2 Timothy 1, 6 says it. For this reason I remind you. Anybody need some reminders? You're going to get one this morning. For this reason I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God. Something given not because of your good behavior, only because of the goodness of the giver. Hello? Which is in you. Where? In me? <laughs> no, in you. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Saints Timothy, I believe Paul's saying to Timothy here, son, I want to remind you that I didn't fail to pass the torch to you. You are a keeper of the flame, so son, you need to run with it. Today's message will be out of 2 Timothy 1, and you can turn there and hold your finger there. Today's message will be out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, but before we get there, let's lay a foundation for the statement Paul has just made. In our American language, it's made up of many idioms, right? Right, I'm going to take a cat nap. Anybody want one of those after church today? If you eat that potluck, you will. I am head over heels in love with Jesus. Said it many times. You're like, what does that mean? Are you just like cutting cartwheels all day? It ruffled my feathers. Idioms, American idioms. Right? We got some Holy Ghost idioms of our own. Right? That's a sick revelation. What? what? Right? He got Holy Ghost paddle shack. Right? That's like Shabba. That's a Shabba show over there. I mean, we do it all day long, but listen to me, saints. Paul is not using American, Greek, nor Hebrew idioms here. He is provoking his son Timothy to remember something, son. Remember the nature of your priestly calling as a son in the kingdom of God. You know where he reminds him of this at? And where I believe Paul's pulling this particular thought from? It not being an actual idiom? Leviticus 6. You can hold your finger in 2 Timothy and you can turn with me to Leviticus 6 because we're going to spend a minute here. We're going to spend a minute back in 2 Timothy and then we're going to wrap this up. Amen? How many of you love the Torah? Love the entire Bible. Yeah, come on. Where are you going to get bookends this morning? Leviticus 6, 8 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall remain on the altar all night until morning, and the fire shall be kept burning on the altar. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and put his linen <laughs> breeches on, no, on his body. That's a funny translation. And take up the ashes of what the fire has consumed with the burnt offering on the altar and put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire upon the altar, say fire upon the altar, shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be allowed to go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order 
upon it, and he shall burn it, the fat of the peace offerings as well. And verse 13, the fire shall be burning continuously upon the altar. It shall not go out. Saints, Moses represents the commanding constitution of God's law. It's like the law is like gravity. What does that mean, right? It, do, you, it doesn't submit to you, you submit to it, amen? And you'll learn that if you spend some time with King Jesus. If you remember, it was Moses that was tasked with replicating on the earth what he saw in heaven. Do you remember that? And it was Aaron and his sons that were chosen by God to carry out what Moses was instructed with. And guess what? There are also somebody called the Levitical priesthood, which you're reading the details of this morning. The Levitical priests were the family of God that would help them accomplish what had been entrusted to, watch this, them. Do you know what was given to Moses was to be carried out, carried out by them? Interesting biblical pattern. I wonder if we're hearing to it today. I want you to take notice that nothing in God's economy ever gets done by one single man. Not even Jesus worked by himself. He was never alone. The father was always with him. And when he came in the flesh, he immediately surrounded himself by other men that he would empower and make capable to carry out what he was called to do. Mm. In Leviticus 6.12, where we are at this morning, what is it that has been entrusted to them to guard? Come on, any bold saint in here? The fire, the fuego, my only Spanish, fuego Deus, come on. That word for guard there is to keep or to preserve. Verse 12 says, and the fire upon the altar shall not be, shall never burn out. It shall not be allowed to burn out. In Hebrew, this is aish. It's not like ish, like. Man and Isha woman in Hebrew, right? It's more like my Cajun speed. Aye, right? It's, it's Aish. Somebody say Aish. Aish Tamed. It's the perpetual fire of God. So the fire on the altar is called Aish Tamed. The perpetual fire on the sacrificial altar inside the house of God, inside the tabernacle of God, that Moses was was given to replicate what he saw in heaven. He was now called to replicate on earth and inside of the heart of the house of God was the Aish Tamid, the fire of God. This is not to be confused with the N-E-R, the near Tamid, which was the fire that was on the seven branch menorah in the holy place. This is the Aish Tamed, the fire that was on the sacrificial altar of God. Are you with me this morning? The Aish Tamed was the perpetual fire that was never allowed to go out. And you know what? Together, Moses, Aaron, his sons, and the Levites, who represented every single tribe of Israel, were responsible for stewarding the perpetual flame of God. You know what that means? Every son and daughter of God are a keeper of the flame. Saints, Moses gave instructions to Aaron and his sons. 
He put Aaron and his sons, put them into practice. And the Levites that represented every firstborn son of every tribe in Israel and the family of God participated in stewarding and guarding the fire of God that it might never go out. Perhaps your fire is wanting this morning. Well, I want you to consider this if that's a possibility. I want you to consider whether or not it's because you have been trying to do this all by yourself. I want you to consider whether or not you've been thinking that it was God that would keep your fire. We're going to challenge that this morning. Or if you're just personally neglecting it by spending your personal time with other things that light your unauthorized fire deep down in your soul. Let me give you a few fun facts before we get to Timothy about this particular passage in Leviticus. Can I do that? Yeah. Moses, Aaron and his sons and the Levites who represented the entire family of God's people were given the honor of replicating God's house together. The same house that Moses was shown while while he was standing on the mountain that Deuteronomy 4.11 says was burning with the heart of heaven. Leviticus 6 is giving us insight into what God desired the atmosphere of his living room to be when you walked into it. Thank you, Pastor Massey. Oh, you're not getting me here. The father's heart. Let me just grab this for a minute before we move on. He never wanted there to be a time that you walked into his home And he didn't have a fire lit for you when you came home. He always had a table in his house. His table always had bread on it. He always had a fire lit in the corner and a not so lazy boy called a throne where he would draw you to that you might sit and have a conversation with him. Is that how you view The heavenly priesthood, his tabernacle and his home. Did you see it as some regimented system, the seven step program to draw close to him? Well, then you miss the heart of heaven because Moses. While the heart of heaven was burning on the mountain, saw God's home and was called to replicate it. And you know what was in the middle of his home? The fire of God. Leviticus 9, 24 says that it was the sovereign act of Adonai himself who lit the first fire on the altar. In Leviticus 6, where we're at right now, it was the responsibility, watch this, of the priest to provide the wood to keep the fire that God lit for them burning. Yes, there's responsibility inside the sovereignty of God. Even on the Sabbath, And in times when the priesthood would defile the fire of God, he said the fire must not go out. So how do we rectify that? How does an impure man keep a fire lit? How does a man actually keep a fire lit during a Sabbath? These are all great questions if you love Jesus that you're wrestling through. There was a prominent teacher in the Hasidic Judaism movement a long time ago which is the most strict adherence to the law, by the way. And this is what he said. This is a deep point. 
And we're going to move on to some practical things, but I want you to get this. He said, instead of reading this phrase in Leviticus 6.12, it shall not be put out, the fire, we can read it as it will put out the knot in the worshiper, the N-O-T. He said this as well. It takes the Jew past the threshold of commitment where he stands in hesitation and says no and causes them to move forward. <laughs> uh, you said English, please. Saints, when the priests woke up every morning to worship God, knowing that they might not have been perfected, that they weren't perfect, that they might have did something that offended God. It was the perpetual fire of God that never ceased to burn despite him that gave him the courage to continue to connect with God. The fire of God is so much more than our charismatic zeal or our excitement that we feel during a fantastic worship set. It is that interior fire that God set inside of you the day that you gave your life to him. The day that you surrendered to King Jesus and you became his home, he brought his fire with him. And every day, every morning, every evening, in the middle of the day, when you stop, drop, and pray, if you'll stop and you'll draw close and you'll connect to that holy fire, it will burn away the things that are keeping you away. Yeah. Oh, you say, well, even on the Sabbath, I mean, like, I don't want to infringe upon the word. The word says, don't do this, don't do that. And Exodus 35, it says, don't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. How do you overcome that? So this, on a Sabbath, the fires, no, it's the brightest, friends. Legalism puts out fire. Yes, you do have to make provision the day before for your fire to burn brightly on a Sabbath according to the law. But that caused you on a Sabbath to kindle the flame that you did have. To say, well, I don't have what I need today, Lord. But he has already provided for you what you need while you rest. And all you need to do is fan in the flame what was given already. I believe this particular issue within the law of God is a fantastic reminder that you have been granted Sabbath rest because of King Yeshua, but you are still responsible to fan in the flame what he has already given you. You are still responsible within the sovereignty of God to bring wood every morning. Nehemiah 28.9 says actually that the priest doubled the wood on the Sabbath. Are they breaking God's law? Are they just interpreting rightly? Matthew 12, 5, Jesus takes issue with this. He says, or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple desecrated the day and yet they were innocent? <laughs> Matthew 12, 6 says it like this. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what the, these words meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would have, con, you, 
you wouldn't have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of your rest. He's the Lord of your rest. In A.D. 70, the Jewish temple was destroyed, but in about 34 years before, that Ais Tamed, that fire of God, had already been transferred to God's living temple. The body of Christ, initiated in the book of Acts, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the Ais Tamed went from a dead temple to an actual living temple and people of God, marked by the fire of God. He passed the torch. Or as Paul calls us in Romans 12, a living sacrifice. Which is it? Is King Jesus the sacrifice or are you the sacrifice? Paul, what are you doing playing with the words of God? I thought King Jesus was the sacrifice. How can we be a living sacrifice on an altar acceptable to the Lord? Hmm. I got your attention this morning? Okay, I got one last fun fact and then we'll, I'm going to get to Timothy, I promise. You're not children, saints. You're full-grown adults in the kingdom and somebody needs to feed you meat. Matthew 12, 5, or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple desecrated the day and yet they were innocent? <laughs> uh, contrary to popular belief, priests were not always pure when they worked inside the house of God. That's why we get so offended today when you get a little closer to the preacher or the pastor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, they were granted righteousness so that they could participate in the keeping of the fire, which then therefore transformed them. Just like you. They were given grace, which is empowerment, saints, to draw near to God so that they could be transformed by their interaction with God's holy fire. Is that you this morning? Do you run from the fire of God or do you run to it? Have you disqualified what God has qualified? I'm your pastor of many of you. Yes, you do. The only way to be transformed by God is to be near to God. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That is a, that is a fiery, passionate relationship. Hello. What do you think that it did for the people of God when an imperfect man went into the closest relationship with Yahweh himself, the consuming fire of God, walked out not only alive, but with a story to tell about the interaction with the fire of God. What do you think that did for the people? What does it do for you when you see me, a flawed man, surrendered to the fire of God, still stand before you? After doing so and have a story to tell, it should do this. It just say, I can steward the fire of God, too. Yes. Saints, whether navigating how to rest like God on a Sabbath. Or walk in your priesthood while having personal impurities or journeying through a wilderness while being responsible for never letting a fire go out. That God wants lit in your life. Every son and daughter of the living God is a keeper of the flame. First Peter says it like this in chapter two, verse four. And as you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. 
one that hosts the fire of God, to be a holy priesthood, that is men and women who have been entrusted with the light or the fire of God, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 9, but you are a chosen priesthood. He chose you, you didn't choose him. We're so arrogant. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, no longer orphaned in spirit. That means he bought you, he marked you, he owned you. You are not, not controlled by the devil, you are controlled by the love of God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 27 says, God, God is a consuming fire. Once you were not a people, verse 10, but now you are a people of God. Once you have, been once you have not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Mm. Saints, since the beginning, God has set apart for him a people called Israel. Romans 9 through 11 goes through the great effort of telling you that you've been grafted in not only into their promises, but also into their responsibilities. And that is to keep the fire, to keep the flame. The fire of God must not go out. Saints, we all know that God is a consuming fire, amen? And we all know that, there, that we all... Live a life, what we say, on fire for God. I had a close friend challenge me on that word the other day. It was like, well, fire is destructive. Yes. Don't see a positive thing about it in the Bible. Yes, it's spiritually discerned. But what we at times lose sight of is that God has made us responsible to steward the fire according to Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. And we can go on for about an hour and not, uh, 60 seconds. How's that? Two hours. About how that's true with 70 other scriptures. Every one of you are like the Levitical priest, responsible to show up every morning and fuel the fire. You provide the wood. Jesus provides the sacrifice. And the fa Father provides the flame. That is the pattern. It's never changed. And if you don't, your God-given fire will begin to flicker. Hebrews 7.12 says, For when there is a change in priesthood, there must also be a change in the law, in the Torah. Saints, if there is a new system operator, there must be a new carryout. It's happened. This is not naturally carried out. It's only spiritually accomplished. Your man-made systematic approach will not work. We call that denominationalism and everything else. If God gave that system to Moses and he, it didn't accomplish something being finished, how do you think you can create a new one or a better one? <laughs> then God created. That system was never meant to complete something, only to start it. You must have that everyday fellowship with the fire of God, saints. It's not optional. It's necessary. Moses was an amazing, he was amazing at starting something, but only King Jesus had what was necessary to finish it. What Jesus started at Pentecost 
is yours to carry out. He took the torch from heaven through his ministers and history brought it out to the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, a theophany dispersion happened. And all of a sudden he hands each one of you the torch and says, I'm going to carry it out this with my body. That makes us a new breed. Amen. Amen. Keepers of the flame. It is our responsibility to provide the fuel for the fire. I love it. We all we love to blame everything on Jesus and we should. Because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. But he did allow us to be in co-mission with him. Saints fire is destructive. That is true. It illuminates. It eliminates all trash. If you put trash in it. Amen. It is relentless. It takes impurities and turns them into flames. Fire transforms anything that threatens to quench or hinder the flame itself. That is what fire does. But when it is harnessed by the control of the spirit, it is illuminating and life-giving. Saints, we have to see to it that every day we provide a fresh supply of wood. The Holy Ghost comes to us as a flame that can either grow or develop and become a devouring fire or it can become something that keeps us distant from God. Interesting how he invests that in you. Or the fire of God can become a small flicker instead of a flame. Or he can actually be quenched till he cannot be seen or experienced at all. Saints, when you choose to be, spend more investment on Facebook than his book, what do you think that's doing? When you binge on Netflix instead of binge in prayer, you were designed to binge, but binge on the right things. What about when you give your passions or devotions to man's kingdom instead of his kingdom? Building your careers instead of your calling. Saints, your, call, your careers are supposed to fit your calling, not your calling fit your career. That doesn't happen that way. That's not seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you. Seek first your calling and your career will be added to you and there'll be a perfect fit and it won't weary you. It'll actually give you life. When you sow to your sensuality instead of your sonship, you quench the fire of God. If you feel colder than you were the first day you met him, you need to reevaluate your Christianity. I'm more on fire for God now at 45 than I was at 25. That's how it's supposed to look. If our God is a consuming fire and we're being made into likeness and image of Christ, at some point you're a flicker and then you're a flame and all of a sudden, poof. I'd like self-combust, I don't know. Maybe that's what it looks like to meet King Jesus on the day that I close my eyes and enter it at his throne room. Mm. I love Jesus, I'm just saying. I don't apologize for it. I know that sounds arrogant. It's not, it's confident. Because he makes me that way. I know all day long. I tend the flame, right? And every time I come to the flame, I'm like, man, Lord, how's this even happening? There's so much impurity in me. You're so pure, Lord. Right? Oh, I was reminded, you chose me. I, 
<laughs> I didn't choose you. So if you have an issue with me, take it up with King Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Saints, just being in a church doesn't stoke your fire. Just hearing the preaching of the gospel does not add any flame or fuel to your fire. If that were true, every whitewashed tomb in this city with a steeple would be a bonfire for the Lord. You can be in a place where miracles will happen and never receive one. You can be where the presence of God is and the power of God never move you. How? Because you are waiting on God to fan in the flame what he already lit in you. You're waiting on him to spoon feed you and do for you what he's already initiated. He already created the spark. He is the all spark. Hello? He gave you the flame and those who love it will invest in it. I said those who love it will invest in it. Those who understand it will not run from it. They'll run to it. Those who know that the flame I'm talking about is not a it, it's actually a he will not keep it to themselves. Because they know that like the Levites, their lives are given over to keeping the flame lit so others will know where to run to present their living sacrifice. You know what that, you remember what that word sacrifice was in Hebrews? Korban, draw near to. What? So in order to draw near to, you have to make sacrifice. And to make sacrifice is drawing near to the Lord. Hmm. Keepers of the flame are those who preserve the way for others to draw near to God. Amen. All right. I'm about to deliver on my promise in 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. Ooh, somebody say clear conscience. Yeah, y'all want that, huh? With a clear conscience, as day and night, I continuously remember you in my prayers. Saints, I believe Paul is envisioning the temple of God where his fire burned, where the fire burned every single day and night, night and day. The perpetual fire never burned out. And you know what it provided for the people? Who trusted in that? A clear conscience. So that it would enable the people to draw near to God. Why don't people draw near to God? Their consciences are seared. Why don't you draw near to God on a day? Because you disqualify what he qualified. And he's saying, you can't get on fire unless you come get lit by me. Hello? So I'm going to give you the word so that you might trust me to come here and then I'm going to heal you of your duplicity. Hmm. How many of you know that God wants to answer your prayers? How many of you want to live with a clear conscience? Hmm. Then you have to keep the flame, saints. You have to keep the Aish Tamid burning. Verse 4. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. For I am reminded of your sincere faith, watch this, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, sound like where I was raised at, and I am persuaded now also lives in you. 
Wow. Wow. Saints Lois and Eunice were torchbearers. I said Lois and Eunice were torchbearers. Women who did not fail to pass on the fire that was lit in them to their son, Timothy. This is like Tracy and Trevor. She's saying, hey, son, I'm going to burn for the glory of his name. And you're going to see it in me. And because of me, you're going to do the same thing. It's like Marisa with David and Elias and saying, hey, other men might leave their posts, but I'll do the job if I have to. I'll be dad and I'll be mom. But for your, for your sake, David, I'm going to be your mom and I'm going to burn for the glory of his name. I'm going to be devoted to Jesus. I'm going to give my entire life to him. And before that, you, you are going to receive this torch and you're going to run with it. Amen. They were keepers of the flame. That word in Hebrew is shamar. They guarded the flame. They preserved the flame. They kept the flame. They weren't flickering. There was always on fire. Paul says to Timothy, I remember you in my prayers. Saints, how, much, how many of you pray like they actually work? <laughs> is your prayer a manifestation of your doubt or a manifestation of your trust? If they're manifestation manifestation of your doubt, just stop it. Go read his word and repeat that. You'd be better off. It was the coals taken from the Ayish Tamed that never ceased to burn, that lit the altar of incense in the temple that represented our prayers going up to the Father in heaven. Wow. And that's what happens every time you pray with fire. Every time you pray with fervor. We always pick on the Pentecostals for their emotionalism. At least they believe what they're praying. Did King Jesus save you but didn't save your emotions? Are you giving him everything but your emotions? I don't know if I lift my hands in church. What do they think? Oh, you love the praises of men and instead of... The praises of your father. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, come on. Let's let Pastor Kaysen get up here. This is the kind of stuff. <laughs> it was the coals taking from the Ayish Tamed that lit the coals in the altar of incense that took your prayers and actually lifted them to the father. And you knew that they'd be answered in his time. And that's what happens. And that's why your Bible says, pray with fervor. Pray with fervor. Pray with desperation. Pray with a little bit of passion, why don't you? I want to repeat the prayer of Jabez. What? Don't commercialize or make token Christianity out, out of your relationship with God. Just be real. Have you ever read the Psalms? Have you ever seen David? Answer me, O oh Lord. You're like, I don't know if I talk to the Lord like that. You, know, you have to have a relationship close enough to with, with him to know that you could to demand him to hear from you. Yeah. Some of you don't know about that type of relationship with the Lord, but you can get there. Yeah. Because when you come to the fire, you become one with the fire. Hmm. Intercession is just praying his prayers through you. What have we learned lately? We don't, we don't. Pray to Jesus. We pray like Jesus. Because we're already one with him. All right, I'm going to move on.
Verse 6. So the reason, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. Where? In you, through the laying on of my hands. Saints, salvation is a gift of God to the lost, but the baptism or immersion in the Holy Spirit is the gift to his bride. And what was it that marked them, his bride, in the book of Acts? It was tongues of fire. He was saying something. The Aish Tamed will be passed, and it will be passed to you. It has never gone out and will never go out. And it will reside in my torchbearers, in those who keep the flame. Isn't that amazing? Paul saw the fire of God as a gift. He knew that fire meant purification. He knew that fire meant consumption. He knew that fire meant that it would cost you. But he thought that it was a gift to be embraced. Are you afraid of the fire of God, saints? Does that sound too charismatic for you? The word charismatic comes from charis, gift. And the giver's good, hello? You are a sign of the living God that he, the giver is good when you express his gift. Saints, if God did not start his ministry without fire, how can you? This is Monopoly. You need to go back. You pass go. Go back. How can you start your ministry without fire when God did not? If the original apostles did not move on into ministry without first waiting from power from on high, how is it that you can? The priesthood spent their entire day, watch this, their entire schedule was built around making sure that they were available to fan in the flame the fire that God lit for them. Have you ever had something dominate your schedule? I have to be there here and do this this day so everything's kind of wrapped around it? Yeah. Where your life in the kingdom is built around being available to fan in the flame what God lit. Somebody's reprioritizing right now. When the priesthood of God changed from Levitical to the order of Yeshua, the, did the fire go out? No. The fire of God is an everlasting fire. It is the Aish Tamed. It is the everlasting fire. Matthew 3.11 says it like this. I immerse you with, with water for repentance, which many of you have experienced. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, those whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is at hand and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up his chaff with unquenchable fire. Luke 12, 47 says, I have come to set a fire on earth and how I wish it was already kindled. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 says it like this, but let each one of you be careful. Be very careful how you build, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been laid. Which is Yeshua, Messiah. Some will use gold, silver, and precious stones in building on this foundation, while others will use wood, grass, and straw. 
But each one's work will be shown for what it is. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. You know how you survive the fire to come? The purifying fire that will come on the heavens and the earth? You become fire. And so it comes and goes. You're one with it. And hey, you, now you're it. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If the work someone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will have to bear the loss. He will still escape with his life, but, somebody say but, it will be like escaping through fire. Don't you know that you are God's people, his temple, and that God's spirit, that perpetual fire lives in you? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not, watch this, there's a possibility, put out the Spirit's fire. Hebrews 12.25 says it like this, see to it that you do not refuse him when he pricks that little flicker of a flame in your heart. Because if they did not escape when he refused him who warned him on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, once more, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more actually means something. It indicates the removing of what can be shaken. We don't like to be shaken. We want to be just like everything's pure and perfect heaven on earth until we get to heaven. No, you need to be shaken, sifted, removal of the things that are not of him and between you so that you might burn brighter these are created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain he's talking about you therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful 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 and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is indeed a consuming fire Saints, this is that Isaiah 6-4 moment. And at the sound of the voices of the doorposts, the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. Isaiah's like, whoa. Woe is me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm dedicated, devoted to you, Lord, but all of a sudden, in comparison to the holy fire, I thought I was good. I'm just a good old guy, but all of a sudden, woo, you are holy. Yeah. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then the one, then one of his seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and with it he touched his mouth, and he said, See, this, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Wow. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am qualified. Send me. Saints Timothy or a John or a Dylan or many of you in this place. You're no different than the men who gave their lives to guard the holy fire. They were keepers of the flame. You are keepers of the flame. They were keepers of the flame. You are keepers of the flame. 
every day that you go out and you bring wood into the house of God, that his fire might stay on fire. Day and night, night and day, you are tending his holy fire. But saints, that holy fire does not reside in the walls of men. Don't you think because you're standing in a church this morning that God met with you here? No, he met with you here. Your God has lit a fire on your hearts. Amen. Amen. He's lit a fire in your lives. Amen. Amen. And that fire is to remain burning every day so that other people can see where to run to. So that those who sit in darkness will see a great light. Do you think it was just for Isaiah's day or for today? So that men might have a place to run to. So that they might know your God. But friends, you have to keep guard and preserve the flame. You have to fan into flame what he lit so long ago. Every morning, every evening, even at lunchtime if you would. Every morning, every evening, you must connect with the fire before you leave the house. I've been having sleeping issues lately, but then I realized something last night because it was another one. Lord, are you keeping me awake? Because I'm not spending enough time with you in the daytime, so you'll steal my rest so that I'm left only with hanging out with you. Because that's what I do in the middle of the night. I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> and then I start to speak to the Lord in the tabernacle with him. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Keep me awake anytime. But woe is me if I give the light to me and the darkness to him. Every morning you must connect before you leave the house, do you, saints? Every morning you read his word, you seek his face in prayer, you worship him. It's not a Sunday thing, it's an everyday thing. Every day you have to get out and share your love for him, with him, because of him, to them. Every day that you are faithful, you are eliminating the one thing that tries to extinguish your flame. Paul says it next. Fear. Fear. Are you with me, saints? But you have not been given a spirit of fear, verse 7, but a spirit of power, love. And watch this. Self-discipline. Yes, you can actually be disciplined. That word fan in the flame is stir up. It's to revitalize your trust, revitalize your faith. When the regime changed, the carry out of the rules changed. You're now in commission with the son of God. Amen. Amen. Yeshua lit your fire the day that you became his home. Are you his home? Yeah, well, then he empowered you to maintain it, too. Saints, I'm not propagating a, a work of religions. I am giving you keys to a relationship and how to keep it on fire. Some of you married men need to hear this today and apply it to your wives. You remember what we said at first? I'm going to say it again and we're going to turn this message to a close. My aim was that you would no longer perpetually be preoccupied with what you do not have, but begin to fan in the, fan in the flame what you do have. Why? Because the problem is that the trap of the devil is to keep you preoccupied with what you do not have. So that you never overcome with what you do. 
If I had a hot coal in my hand right now, right, and I'm standing in the middle of a Texas summer dry forest, and I drop that coal into all the leaves, and then I fan it into flame, what happens? Fire. 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 And Paul's teaching us here, first the natural, then the spiritual, he goes on to say. Hey, I'm trying to watch the creation, and it'll teach you about the spiritual things. It's like law. Hmm. What if it... No. What is it that others have that you think you do not have? What is it? Is it boldness? Is it power? Is it love for strangers? Is it self-discipline? Is it understanding? What is it that keeps you from moving forward? As that rabbi said, what keeps you in the hesitation to draw near to the only thing that can keep you moving forward? In Romans 8, it says the spirit of boldness is given to you, but you must get out and fan it in the flame. Luke 24 says it's the spirit of power that was given to you. Yes, you. But you must get out and fan it into flame. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says you've been given the spirit of love, but you must get out and fan it in the flame. 2 Timothy 1.7 says it right here. You actually have been given the spirit of self-spiritual discipline. And it will reward you if you get out and fan it into flame. Every single morning, not once a week, not once a month. Every single morning. Saints, all it takes is fanning into flame what you already have inside of you. What you already possess Quit praying for things from heaven that are already invested inside of you. The Leviticus priesthood taught us something. This is not a life. This way of life is not about perfect performance. That'll take your life. It's about radical obedience to the leading of the spirit every single day. And what is the one thing that fuels your spiritual paralysis? Paul says it right here, fear. Delia in the Greek, fear. You know, what it, you know what it means in the Greek? Cowardness. And what does Revelation 21, 6 say? Cowards won't enter the kingdom. Because you can't. Saints, the devil is perfectly fine with you sitting in a church your whole life as long as you never do anything with what's been given to you. He gets excited every time you hear a sermon like this one and do nothing with it. <laughs> I think hell throws a party. Hey, they walked out of there and they, well, they, they just fed their intellect but didn't feed, feed their actions. We've been worshiping on the square on Friday nights. Amen. And the people who are coming around are those who admire your fire. Your devotion, your ability, right, to overcome fear. One thing, man, they look fearless. Amen. People are tired of a fearful demonstration of Christianity, saints. Is that true? They're tired of a fearful demonstration of Christianity because we must be bold. 
We must be fearless. We must have a fearless ex expression of our faith in the power of Jesus to overcome what is being asked of the body of Christ today. Saints, the 1990s version of American churchianity isn't working anybody. anybody nobody wants it anymore. It doesn't fit this generation. They're rejecting it. We need a new breed of men and women. Hello? I said we need a new breed of men and women. We need leaders of the remnants. We need keepers of the flame. We need preservers of the seed. We need protectors, guardians, keepers of the Abrahams, Isaacs, and Jacobs, and John the Baptist. If you got children in here, why do you wait on why do you wait till Sunday to pray with them, to gather and worship with them? They should be laying on their face before the Lord at four years old and seeking his face. Fathers and mothers, you should be on your face at home with your children. Devin's a worship leader. You know where he got that? From my prayer closet with me because at six years old, he's weeping before the Lord because he's sitting under a, a YouTube with Jason Upton on him because nobody around was on fire, but I could find it there, so I did. Do you think you got to be 20 years old to move in the gifts of God? To be on fire for the Lord? No, Samuel's eight years old when he can hear from God, hanging around the altar of God. It's about time that we empower them. Pass the torch. Hmm. Yeah. That's when you'll find out what you have been given is already more than enough than what you need. Verse 8. For those of you who need a reason, because your excuses are speaking louder than the truth. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord and of his prisoner, his messenger. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So many people admire what you do will never enter into it. Because you love to hang out with fire, but you don't want to become it because, well, then somebody might not understand it. He has saved us and called us to his holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and because of his own grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before you were even born, before time was born. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of the Savior, King Jesus. We're not waiting any longer. He has destroyed death. The thing that you live in fear of your whole life. He's destroyed death and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Because I know in whom I believe. <laughs> I know whom I believe. Watch this statement. And I am convinced, not double-minded, convinced, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What have you entrusted to him, saints? Your life. And he's able to keep it. Your life. You can, you can deplete your funds. You can give every, everything away that you have. And he'll still take care of you. That means I'm immortal until my work is done here on earth. Amen. Verse 13, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern. Like, do this in life. 
of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Guard the good deposit. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. It's yours. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Saints, I am a keeper of the flame, and it is my job to provide the fire of God invested in my life with daily interaction of the word. Daily interaction with the intimate set-apart prayer time with my God. Conversation with my Abba. And constant pouring out for other people to receive that. And when I do, it gives you courage for you to do that as well. That keeps me on fire, enables you to pass the torch that I've given you. And you pass it elsewhere and on and on and on and it goes. And all of a sudden in Denton, Texas, we got a holy fire. All right, I'm about to close this out with these couple verses that we just read for fuel for fire. Verse 8, be not ashamed of the gospel. Verse 8, be not ashamed of the gospel preachers. Verse 8, be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Verse 9, because he saved us, because he called us with a holy calling, because he blessed us with his purpose and his grace, and because he planned this for us before the ages and before you were born, you are destined for this. It's not somebody else's job. It's yours. Verse 10. And he made manifest God's approval by his personal appearance on earth. Have you been waiting for approval? Are you in Christ Jesus? Consider yourself approved. He says again in verse 10 that he abolished death. Are you afraid of it? For every son and daughter of the living God, it's simply a transfer home. So as the word says, they can kill the body, but they cannot take my soul. It's already been taken. Again, in verse 10, he says he brought life through the gospel. Life, saints. Not what you get when you go to a football game. You feel like, woo, they finally won. That's not life. Like real life. Like the eternal flame inside of you that you've been waiting to overcome you. We were singing today, we're overwhelmed by the Spirit. I was getting overwhelmed by the Spirit. Saints, if you've never been overwhelmed by the Spirit, you need to check your fire. And again in verse 10, he says, He brought perpetual life, Aish Tamid, from heaven to earth through the gospel. And you get to be keepers of that flame. I'm going to close out here. In the book of Maccabees, which is an uninspired, not in your canon book, but is a historical book. When it talks about Hanukkah, which many of you don't actually participate in, so you don't know this, which is the celebration or uh, festival of lights each year or the light. They're actually celebrating the light. It says this in Maccabees 119. 
For when our ancestors were led into exile, the sacred priest hid some of the fire. Many years later, Nehemiah sent their descendants to retrieve that hidden fire. But they found only thick, muddy water. Nehemiah commanded the priests, here's what I want you to do with that thick, muddy water as we were hoping to find a fire. I want you to sprinkle on wood this muddy water. And then as the sun began to shine on that muddy water that was sprinkled on that wood, after the clouds cleared, there was a great fire that kindled so that every person marveled how in the world could muddy water sprinkled on saturated wood create fire. It's because when it is set apart by God, the gifting and callings of God are irrevocable. Saints, if I provide the wood, he provides the fire. Because he is looking for those who know that they are designed and destined to be keepers of fire. Let me ask you something. If the muddy waters that once experienced the presence of God was sprinkled on wood that was fit for the altar of God could supernaturally catch fire again, how is it that the muddy waters of Christianity can't do so as well? Shouldn't we believe once again that the muddy waters of our American churchianity has the potential to catch fire for God in the earth again? Yes, 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 but it starts with you. It is time for the keepers of the flame to run into the, for, the, the harvest field and say, you might be muddy, but you were designed and destined to be keepers of the flame. Saints, you are keepers of the flame. God lights the fire, but you're to bring wood to it every single day. Let me remind you of a scripture as we close out. Matthew 16. In verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, anyone who would come after me must deny himself and take up his wooden cross. But whoever loves his life, whoever loses his life for me, he'll finally find it. What good does it do a man if he gains the entire world? If you get everything this world can offer, but your fire goes out, what good is that for you? yet he'll forfeit his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with all his angels, and then he will be rewarded. He will reward each person according to what he has done. Not what you believe in and admire, but what you have put into practice. You say, I don't have anything to offer. You are focusing on what you do not have. What do you have? When you gave your life to King Jesus, you picked up a cross and you got wood to offer every day.
Stand with me. Isaiah 42.1 says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. Saints, if the Father speaks a word, it is a promise. And he will bring justice to the nations. And he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed I will not break. And a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. Saints, he's willing to work with your smoldering, flickering wick that it might burn as it was designed to do. But you have to surrender and submit the wood to the fire. You have to surrender yourself. Because Isaiah 62, 1 says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. You have come to Mount Zion, a mountain burning with the holy fire, a heart of heaven. And for your sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. If that's you this morning. We're not going to do an altar call. What I'm going to ask you to do is make a commitment into your heart. That what was spoken here might not end here. But that it might be taken out of these doors and you begin to ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Say yes before he tells you. And then when he says it, say, I said yes, I'm going to do it. No matter the cost. Why? Because that's how we keep the fire lit. That is his keepers of the flame. If you want to make that commitment to the Lord or rekindle your commitment to the Lord, raise your hands with me. Father, we are done with it being somebody else's responsibility. This morning, it is our responsibility. Our responsibility to tend the flame in which you have lit in us so that we might keep the flame, guard the flame, preserve the way. So that others, Lord God, might know where to run. So that we might actually be a city on a hilltop. That we might actually be those who are lit for your name. That your, Amish Tamid, your holy fire might burn brightly in our generation right here, right now. Father, we love you. We do love your presence. We do love your word. And we do love your people and also the lost. So ignite in us, Lord God, what is required 